Uh, time to chat some uh, footy and some cricket. Dan Cherney uh, from Coast Sport- Sports joins me on the line. Hello, Dan. G'day, Matt. Good to be with you. Yeah, great to have you on the program once again. Uh, cricket, uh, even though the, the season is slowly coming to an end, there's still plenty going on. The Shield and also Australia heading over to New Zealand. Uh, Australia, they'll be uh, taking on New Zealand tomorrow in that T20 series. How are you seeing the T20 series? And it's going to be uh, for the Chapel Hadley Trophy as well. Yeah, I did like that move. Um, I mean, it's sort of, you know, the Chapel Hadley Trophy came into existence about two decades ago and obviously, you know, two of the most iconic families in um, in cricket, um, particularly the Chapels here in Australia, but obviously Hadley's a very influential family uh, in New Zealand and you know, Richard's feats, um, sort of no, need, need no reminding of those, particularly against Australia, for what it's worth. But, um, yeah, I suppose because of the nature of one-day cricket and the way it's sort of been marginalised, I mean, that came in just as teach when he was in his infancy and they wouldn't have necessarily seen uh, how, how much one-day cricket would evaporate over the next couple of decades. So, I just gives it a bit more relevance. Like you just, I know at times they play these matches um, during when, when, the, when the sides have met at the World Cup. They put the Chapel Hadley series up for grabs. Um, the Chapel, Chapel Hadley trophy, I should say. You've had the uh, Trans-Tasman trophy, which is the, 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 uh, the trophy that they play for when Australia and New Zealand play in men's test cricket. So oh, I, I like that move. It's uh, sort of, yeah, contemporised it a bit. Uh, and it's an important series. I mean, leaving the Chapel Hadley nature of it to one side, it's an important series. It's Australia's last T20 internationals before the upcoming T20 World Cup in June in the US and the Caribbean. So, yeah, clearly um, a fair bit of relevance. Um, some, some returns after a long period of time for Pat Cummins and Mitchell Stark, who haven't played any T20 cricket since uh, late last year. Uh, it's a big time since late 2022, since the last T20 World Cup. So it's been um, a long time between drinks. Um, in that respect for them, obviously they've prioritised the other formats of cricket, test cricket and, and one the internationals, uh, and with good reason. So, uh, yeah, that's um, it's a big series. Travis heads back, Steve Smith as well, making one last ditch bid, I suppose, to, to entrench his, or just to try to find a spot in that Australian T20 side, and even, I suppose, probably secure his spot in the squad. That's still up in the air. So, yeah, a fair, a fair few interesting storylines ahead in the series, and um, yeah, it begins tomorrow night in Wellington. Another one with uh, Aaron Hardy going out injured to mean Spencer Johnson gets his opportunity and, as you say, I, I guess a chance for him to, to bowl really well and, and put his name in front of the selectors for that T20 World Cup. Yeah, it's interesting that he's got the nod, um, say, even ahead of Jason Berendorf and Sean Abbott. They've, they've gone for Johnson, so clearly they like what they, they see. Obviously, an outstanding big bash league uh, campaign for the um, for the Brisbane Heat. Uh, you know, he's really had a breakthrough a couple of years, hasn't he? A couple of summers from a guy who was you know, really a, a non-factor for a while there and, and dealt with a lot of injuries. So he, he's come on in leaps and bounds in a hurry. They, they like what he offers with his extreme pace and his point, point of difference. He's also got the IPL coming up. He's got a gig there. He was a, he was a um, much uh, high-priced recruit, high recruit there at the uh, IPL auction last late last year. So, And the fact that they picked him to replace Aaron Hardy, who in, in turn has actually replaced uh, Marcus Stoinis, so the replacement on the replacement sort of shows that they've... Um, they really must value him because it's not a like for like. There's another pace bowler ahead of uh, a couple of all rounders, or sort of um, to replace uh, an all rounder. So uh, you know, clearly they are keen to have a look at him. And I suppose if you're playing for Australia this, this late in a World Cup cycle and the lead up to it, you must be in the hunt because otherwise they wouldn't have picked him um, to, to come across the ditch and play for Australia uh, against New Zealand. Were you surprised that um, Jason Berendorf was wasn't a part of that squad to go over to New Zealand? Yeah, a little bit. Um, particularly once, well, 
perhaps not on the I'd say so. Yeah, I think particularly once Stark got um, got called up. I mean, I, I suppose in many respects, Berendorf and just a lot of uh, a lot of some of these backup fast bowlers that they are sort of keeping the seat warm for, for the big three when they're when they're being rested across formats, given their heavy workload. And look at the end of the day, I, I think even Berendorf would acknowledge that um, you know he sits behind Mitchell Stark. I mean, we saw how much Mitchell Stark was worth in the IPL auction, and obviously an all-time grade of, of well, across all formats for Australia. As that left arm option, but the fact that they then went for Johnson um, ahead of Berendorf was, was a touch surprising. Berendorf was only a couple of weeks ago named T uh, Twenty Player of the Year at the Australian Cricket Awards, so you know um, a very highly rated player himself. But uh, obviously didn't quite. They've opted for Johnson. Maybe he had a stronger big dash league. He probably Berendorf probably didn't play overly well in those matches against the West Indies, and unfortunately for him, it now looks like um, he looks pretty unlikely to. To make the cut and um, look if anyone's going to make it as that sort of second left arm, it's probably going to be Johnson. And then uh, I guess Australia New Zealand is a bit disappointing that we don't see more series between Australia and New Zealand. I think after this, the next uh, one day series against New Zealand isn't until 2027. Would we, is, is Australia New Zealand series something we'd like to see a bit more of? Uh, yes, yeah, yes, and no. I mean, I think it depends on the format. I mean, I don't think anyone's overly desperate to see too much. You know, one-day cricket, I mean, yeah. it's just trying to find the context around that outside of World Cups is hard. You know, again, I think nice idea in theory. Um, you know, you could try and build up some meaning around the Chapel Hadley trophy, but it just hasn't quite worked out on that front just because of the nature of the way one-day cricket has been marginalised. I think more, the, the bigger issue is they haven't they, they've played... They've played a lot of white ball cricket over the years, Australia New Zealand, over the last two or three decades. I mean, there was a period where they felt like they were playing each other every summer, either home or away. Um if not, if not multiple times a summer. But uh, it's, it's probably been Test cricket where they haven't played nearly enough. Australia's been to New Zealand quite a bit, but just not often enough for Test cricket. It's been eight years since the last Test tour there. Obviously, the, only the two Tests coming up, beginning next Thursday at the uh, the Basin Reserve and then the second Test in Christchurch. So I think it's more about Test cricket. It sounds like they're going to play four Tests uh, out here when, when they're next year for, um, for Tests in a, in a couple of summers' time. Uh, three summers' time, that is. Um, they've had three in 2019-20, which is... You know, a great occasion, and they they um, just about packed out the MCG for, on Boxing Day. But uh, New Zealand, unfortunately for New Zealand, they have just not played their best cricket against Australia. They they really have, particularly in Test cricket, um, the Aussies have had the measure for a long, long time. And uh, New Zealand have probably played below themselves, um, haven't you know given their best version of themselves over several decades, and they've only won one Test against Australia in more than uh, three decades. Having a look at the Sheffield Shield as well, WA and Tasmania playing out a draw, and so too Victoria and New South Wales, but Victoria uh, unfortunately missing out on a, a comfortable win due to rain. Yeah, the Vicks are pretty unlucky there, must be said. Um, I mean, look, that, that is critical, of course, and, and you know these things are out of the control, but you know, they, were, they were absolutely dominated the match. Um, had, had New South Wales 8 down for, I think, 116 or something along the, those lines, and, you know, we're... we're were inches from victory before uh, rain intervened and washed out much of the last day there in Sydney. So, yeah, looking pretty stiff. Um, and uh, so a, a bit of a let-off there for New South Wales and, and for the other states, really, because it pushed Victoria right off to the pointy end of the table. Um, you know, WA came back strongly in that game against Tasmania down in, in, at Bell Reeve. Um, big centuries to, to Cameron Green and Cameron Bancroft, uh, particularly timely for Cameron Green heading to that test tour, and that was what they wanted, of course. They... They left him behind um, to play this Shield game rather than take him to New Zealand to be a fringe member of the T20 side. So that's that's a move that really has paid off. And then um, by the same token, you look at um, you look at Bancroft and look, you do feel for the guy, particularly as we see Matt Renshaw really struggle. But uh, 
Yeah, it looks like it's probably a four-way race for the, for the final now. Tassie, WA, Victoria, and New South Wales all still in the mix. I think probably Tassie, WA, and, and Victoria are probably the three most likely at this stage. Tassie have been the pace setters for a lot of the year. It's been a great story. They've come from, you know, they've had a pretty barren sort of pet um, patch over a long period of time. But uh, guys who you probably wouldn't have necessarily expected to have done as well as they have, have some of the lesser lights. Um, Caleb Jewell with the big century. Bo Webster's had a fantastic season. Gabe Bell's taken a lot of wickets. Guys like Lawrence Neil Smith. Um, you know, have stood up. So they've done really well, especially given um, that they lost Ben McDermott, Peter Siddle and Jackson Bird, um, you know, all, all very accomplished players at the end of last season. So, uh, yeah, it should be a really interesting uh, run into the Shield final. I mean, it's one of those one of those Shield seasons where it's sort of the Shield for Shield's sake because, you know, there's no imminent test tour straight after the Shield. I mean, the New Zealand squad was, all, was pretty much the same as the West Indies squad, so there's no massive, you know, no one's jostling for, for test selection in the, in the in the uh, really short-term future. But by the same token, we know with so many experienced players in that Australian test side, test squad, um, you know, openings will, will emerge sooner rather than later. So um, if guys like a Will Bukowski, who made that big century, Victoria, are uh, the breakthrough turn after a very trying period against New South Wales, um, but then suddenly these opportunities can arise if they continue to perform. Keeping an eye on the AFL as well, because it feels like we're moving towards the AFL season rapidly. Hawthorne, uh, it appears they've had a, a lot of injuries go down over the, the last week, uh, concerning for the Hawks. Yeah, look, there was a lot of optimism around the Hawks um, in uh, heading into the season. Um, you know, they, they played some really exciting footy in the back half last year, and you know, a very young list and sort of was trending in the right direction. But uh, unfortunately, it has been a pretty tumultuous week there at the Hawks. <clears throat> I mean, the worst of all was uh, James Blank, Going down with a um, season-ending knee injury at the intra-club, you know, just horrible luck. Then Shankloff uh, Jaff having a pretty bad uh, hamstring injury and, and a concerning recurrence of soft tissue issues for, uh, for a player who's obviously a very exciting player and has played some pretty good footy. And then uh, Denver Granger Barras, who sort of shaped as a potential replacement blank at a certain level, um, has gone down as well. I've seen uh, just um, in, the, in the last few hours that that's, that that's uh, emerged. So, yeah, pretty... Um, Pretty tough going there for the Hawks. Um, probably, um, I mean, key backs were always a bit of an issue for them anyway. Um, but they'd gone after a couple, Rudiger Galea and Ben McKay and the like, and hadn't landed them. So they were always a little bit skinny in that area. And then to lose two more is um, is a bit of a con- more than a bit of a concern. They have um, recruited Ethan Phillips from the, the VFL, uh, who um, was a very promising player from the Victorian State League um, from Port Melbourne, who is uh, an intercepting defender, and he'll come onto the list and hopefully do a job for them. But, uh, you know, you can't be expecting miracles from a guy like that. So, look, I think it probably does cause for, is cause for a little bit of a recalibration about what the Hawks can potentially achieve in 2024. And uh, what about uh, Melbourne? They played some match him the other day. Clayton Oliver having a run. Looks like he's probably going to be good to go for the season. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously been a pretty enduring saga over several months now, the Clayton Oliver issue. And, uh, you know, very well documented, um, you know, the potential move, potential trade and, all the machinations around that, and then um, you know the, the, the well-documented off-field struggles and, and the time away from the club and, and the like, but um, and and, all, and the injuries. But so no, he you know won a stack of footy, uh, was very effective against Richmond um, at Casey Field. So look, I think he, he would appear it would appear at this stage you know, a month or so away from um, not even month month from uh, from opening round, uh, you know, what is effectively round one for them. They um, when, when they feature along with uh, seven other clubs, yeah, it would appear he's, he's probably probably on track to play. Which uh, there were periods in which that, that would have seemed unlikely or highly unlikely when he wasn't training with the club. And there was a period when period <laughs> late last year when it appeared as though he wouldn't even be at the club. So um, 
yeah, it's uh, it's, it's great for the Ds. Uh, they've had a you know, pretty tumultuous period. They're obviously a huge disappointment of the last couple of years. The straight success, straight sets exits, the, uh, the, the the feeling that they may have wasted what you know what loomed as a golden generation. So um, you know, getting a fit and firing Clayton Oliver is obviously a central part of that. And uh, you know, if they can get him going, um, then you know, I think that they uh, will. You'd expect them that they will uh, challenge once more. And then finally, uh, Taron Thomas in uh, a fair bit of trouble, looking like uh, with that suspension, it could potentially be the end of his AFL career. Yeah, well, Tom Morris, the Channel 9, reporting that yesterday, the 18 weeks, I mean, the AFL and North Melbourne, they will, the AFL are denying that the decision has been made yet, and uh, North Melbourne saying they haven't heard anything yet. But look, clearly it appears that Taron Thomas is due for a pretty heavy whack. Um, all indications are over f- fresh um, domestic issues. Um, look, clearly a very troubled guy. He's made some poor decisions, it would appear, over a long period of time. does seem to be a bit of a theme, um, and you feel as though if, if that is, you know, the bulk of this season wiped out, it's hard to envisage him playing again for North Melbourne. He's out of contract, obviously a very talented player at his best, finished sixth in the best and fairest last year, despite playing just 12 games. But, um, yeah, you, you do wonder if uh, we've seen the last of Taron Thomas, certainly um, playing for the Ruse, potentially playing, uh, playing in the league overall. Yeah, disappointing, but uh, yeah, we'll wait and see what happens there when that comes to light. Uh, Dan, big thank you to you for joining me this morning. Great to chat, and I'm sure we'll chat again soon. No worries, Matt. Pleasure.